Oh man, do we have a phenomenal episode for you tomorrow. Julie Kelly joins me on the show. She's a fan favorite. You guys always send me messages and emails and comment on my social media and tell me how much you love her episodes. This one, I gotta tell you, you gotta set your alarms. You gotta set a reminder, whatever you have to do, make sure you're subscribed to the show so that you need to see this episode the second that it drops tomorrow morning. So hit that subscribe button, set your alarm, get ready to get ready for this episode. It's one of my favorite episodes of all time and it's dropping first thing in the morning. So subscribe wherever you are, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Rumble, Locals, get ready first thing in the morning. It's going to drop uh, episode with Julie Kelly tomorrow. Today, we're going to talk about Dave Ramsey. I, who doesn't love Dave Ramsey? Dave Ramsey's great. I have a lot of respect for him. He's given a lot of people very sound financial advice. He's helped a lot of people achieve financial freedom, pull themselves out of debt, live within their means. Everybody likes, everybody respects Dave Ramsey. He's built an incredible apparatus, this business um, that's both profited him, which is beneficial to he and his family, but also it's helped so many people. It's the epitome of the good of free market capitalism, but he gave some very, very, very bad advice on his show this week that I don't want you to follow. I don't want you to fall for it. I want you to reject it outright. Dave Ramsey is right about a lot of things, and you should take his advice on a lot of things, and this is not one of them. This is something that, in fact, we should write to Dave Ramsey and tell him that he's mistaken on this because it is that important. It's actually important to the longevity of our country and to the world order that we enjoy right now with America on top as America being the world's superpower. If we embrace what Dave Ramsey says that it's okay to embrace, which we'll talk about in just a minute, then America's superpower status is going to be at risk. But we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, we have to look at a video first, a video that I want to look at with you. It's of the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama is a Buddhist monk who lives in India. Everyone knows who the Dalai Lama is, of course. The Dalai Lama was uh, on video, caught, I'd say caught on video, but this wasn't a secret video. This is a public interaction the Dalai Lama had with a child, a young boy. This young boy kissed the Dalai Lama on the cheek, and then the Dalai Lama asked the young boy to kiss him on the mouth, and then, believe it or not, and I don't know how one does this without being a predator, but the Dalai Lama then asked this young boy to suck on his tongue. Yes, exactly. You think, you think you've seen everything. You think you've heard everything. And then the Dalai Lama excuses this the way he apologizes and said he was being cheeky. But I don't know about you. When I'm being cheeky, I don't ask children. Who asks children to do such a thing just by being cheeky? cheeky? But take a look at this video and you can see it for yourself. And suck my tongue. <laughs> I don't find that to be endearing or cute. I don't know who's laughing in the background. I hope, I pray that that's uncomfortable laughter. Like, who is the Dalai Lama? Let's talk about that first. The Dalai Lama is the leader of a pagan religion. He's the, he's the leader of, uh, of a sect of Buddhism. Yet he's, he's revered as if he's the Pope. He's not. He's a leader of a pagan religion. He, he doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. Nobody actually deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to saying things like this to children. This is really, really, really creepy. 
incredibly creepy. And I don't think that we should just give him a pass and brush it away because he said he was trying to be cheeky and it didn't land right. That's not your, how you're cheeky with children. That's how you prey on children. Did you see how uncomfortable that child was? That little boy knew that it was a weird, creepy thing that the Dalai Lama was asking of him. And he thought, oh, am I supposed to do this because the Dalai Lama is asking me of this? This, this is what, ironically, when the left talks about power imbalances and power dynamics impacting situations, this is an example of a power imbalance. And where this child was not sure if he should take part in a sexual act with an adult because the adult occupied a position of power, the adult asking him to do this occupied a position of power, really disgusting. And none of us should be afraid to condemn the Dalai Lama for this because it doesn't matter if he's the Dalai Lama. What he asked of this child was disgusting. And you can see that for yourself. Um, okay. So back to Dave Ramsey for a second. Dave Ramsey's advice, uh, he was giving advice about digital currency. And this has been in the news for a lot of reasons, not just because of, you know, Bitcoin and stuff like that. It's been in the news because the government is considering sponsoring a digital currency, a central bank digital currency. And this was what Dave Ramsey was discussing on his show. We're going to get to that right now. Let's get to it. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at seven. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at eight. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at nine. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on the first TV. Watch the first on DirecTV channel 347, Uverse channel 1220, or DirecTV stream. America is on trial. Join me, Josh Hammer, as we examine the presidential election through the only lens that truly matters, the legal proceedings of Donald Trump and the Biden crime family. This new daily podcast examines breaking news and analyzes the biggest questions facing the country. Can the former president, Donald Trump, get a fair trial? Can Trump be disqualified from the ballot? Can Joe Biden pardon his son, Hunter? Can Trump even pardon himself? We cover all the action every morning. Listen to America on Trial, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Okay, before we get to the Dave Ramsey thing, actually, the video that has been viewed all around the world today, this is this video just broke the internet. And perhaps it is apropos that this went so viral on Twitter because the subject of this video is the CEO, the owner of Twitter. That's right, Elon Musk. Elon Musk allowed the BBC to come to Twitter headquarters and interview him. The BBC set up an interview structure, a, a portable stage, sat down and started interviewing Elon. And listen, I have no problem with going onto someone's turf and sitting down for a face-to-face -face interview and asking them tough questions. I think that that's the hallmark of a good interview, an interesting interview. No one wants to see a softball suck-up interview where you're just asking things that you could have you, you could have seen on, if it's a politician, the politician's website, or Elon Musk on, on, on his own Twitter feed, whatever. I have zero problem with the BBC asking him challenging questions. But what the BBC reporter or journalist or personality talent, whatever you want to call this person, what this BBC employee did to Elon Musk was expose a much larger playbook that the left uses against us when they try to label any opinion that we have, whether it's a religious belief, whether it's a political belief, whether it's the way we voted, whether it's how we feel about critical race theory, whatever it is. They try to, try to label our speech as being hateful without being able to define exactly what it is that we said 
that was actually hateful or that was even wrong. And Elon Musk crushes the BBC reporter for this. Take a look. Content you don't like or, or hateful? What do you mean to describe a hateful thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, just content that will solicit a, a reaction, something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist, those kinds of, those kinds of things. So you think if I'm, something is slightly sexist, it should be banned? I, no, is I'm that not, what you're saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm well, saying... I'm just curious. What you, I'm, I'm trying to understand what you mean by hateful con content. And I'm asking for specific examples. Um, and, if, and you just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful content. Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me, you've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more. It, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's why I'm asking for examples. Can, right. you, can you name one example? I, I honestly don't need, I, I, honestly, you I don't You can't name I, a single example. I'll tell you why, because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore, because I, I just don't particularly like it. But you said actually, a lot of people, a lot of people are quite similar. I, I, I only, well, I only look well, at hang my, on a second. My you said you've seen more hateful content, but you can't name a single example, not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks. And I, well, I, then I how did you see that hateful content? content? Because I've been I've been using I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have at some point seen that you for you hateful content. I'm asking for one example. Right, and you I, can't I, give us a single I, one. And, and, and I'm saying, I've, I, then I, I say, sir, that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful con content, not even one tweet, and yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well, that's a false. No, what I claimed, you just lied. What no no what I claim was. Uh, there are many uh, organizations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether whether it has on my feed or example. not, I mean, I, right, and Literally if you, you look at something one. like the, the uh, Strategic Dialogue uh, Institute in the, in the UK, they will say that. So you, they, Look, people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a right. single example, and you can't name one. Right, and as, as I've already said, I don't use that feed. But let's, well, then how let, would you know? Then, that I don't you, think this is getting anywhere. You literally said you experienced more hateful content and then couldn't name a single example. Right, and as I said, I that's absurd. I haven't, I haven't actually looked at that feed. I then how would you know this hateful content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on. We have, we only have a certain amount of time. Um, well. Okay, first of all, love the guy's body language. Not Elon. Elon crushed this silly journalist. Crushed him, and he's he deserved to be crushed. He, it was a disingenuous, bad faith question. He didn't actually have an example of anything so-called hateful on Twitter. He was parroting an organization, a left-wing propagandist organization that claims that our views on abortion, our views on gender and sex, our views on marriage, our views on race are all hateful things. They claim that we're bigoted and this, this, is, this is propagating hate that might even incite violence if we say these sort of things. Mostly just scientific and religious truth that we're saying. This guy didn't have any examples of it. He was just parroting a lying organization. And so he richly deserved to get trounced by Elon the way that he did. But did you see the guy's body language? This is actually very interesting to study body language like this because if you're, if you're on a date that's not going well, you will see the same kind of body language as from that reporter where his phone just kind of slowly starts. He's, he has in his hand, it's like his security blanket, right? Which again, I'm not blaming him for holding his phone. I hold my phone in interviews too. That's where we keep our notes now instead of taking papers around. But he slowly raises it up and up. You have to wonder if maybe his producers are texting him. Get out of this. Get out of this code red. But then he starts looking down at it so that he doesn't have to make eye contact with Elon Musk because he knows 
everyone in the world knows, including that journalist, that Elon Musk was correct and that this guy is a lying hack. The beauty of this, the beauty of this, um, well, there's a reason this video went viral. Also though, the larger picture here is this is what the left is trying to do when it comes to our speech. They're trying to have these third party organizations label what we say as hate speech because then it's almost like a mafia tactic, right? Where uh, the mainstream media wants to keep their pretty little hands clean. They don't want to actually be the ones to say, we have labeled what you're saying as hateful. The media wants to pretend that they're neutral, that they have no opinion, that they have no bias, but they're going to use this third-party fact checker, this third-party organization to tell us that our words, our thoughts, our beliefs, our values, our opinions, our politics are hateful. That's what this guy is doing. And the reason that they're doing that is not just because they're sniveling cowards. They are. They don't want to actually take a stance for what they believe because they know that what they believe is essentially authoritarianism. If you want to outlaw someone's speech, that's that's a contradiction of our First Amendment uh, right, protected right to free speech. But also, this is a tactic that's larger than just cultural cowardice. This is a, a legal tactic that they're using because the Democrats who control our government want not just to culturally ostracize us for this speech by labeling it hateful, by trying to stigmatize us, they want to criminalize our speech. And in order for them to criminalize our speech when our speech is supposed to be protected by the First Amendment, they have to redefine speech to mean violence. They have to take our words and say, well, these aren't really words anymore. They're actual harmful actions that are causing other people physical, physical harm, physical violence. And this is exactly what we're seeing. And they use these so-called third-party fact checkers or these organizations that label people's speech hate, but these organizations are not neutral. They're not unbiased. They are funded and propagated and run by the same leftists that are in the Democratic Party, the same leftists that are in the mainstream media. So Elon Musk, as he has done since before he bought Twitter, has done a masterful job exposing these people. The mainstream media is as corrupt as the Democratic Party. They are playing by the same rules, and in their crosshairs, both the Democratic Party's crosshairs and the media's crosshairs are us, our values, our politics, our religion, and our speech, and he exposed them. Um, Absolutely amazing. Um, one more thing that I want to talk about before we get to Dave Ramsey. This is the most frightening thing that I have seen on the internet today. All of us, but I think particularly men and particularly conservatives should feel a chill up their spine when they see the following video because it is going to be weaponized against us. This should scare all of us, but particularly men, particularly white men, particularly Christian men, particularly conservative men. And if you are a white, straight, Christian, conservative man, this should send a chill up your spine. AI, artificial intelligence. There's a lot of controversy about artificial intelligence these days for good reason. It's become so advanced that it's kind of like the robots that we heard about in the 90s. The robots are gonna take over the world. The robots are gonna control us. AI has become so advanced that it's becoming difficult to distinguish what is real and what is artificial, what is authentic and what is fake. An AI video was created that was supposed to be Joe Rogan on his podcast talking to Donald Trump. And keep in mind, before you watch this video, this is completely fake. Everything about this is fake. The video is fake. The audio is fake. 
the uh, the verbiage, what they're saying, their words are fake. This is all fabricated. And this was created by AI, by artificial intelligence. The artificial intelligence was told to create a conversation on Joe Rogan's podcast between Joe Rogan and Donald Trump. And this is what it came up with. Remember, this is entirely fake. Watch. Woke movement is trying to dismantle traditional ideas of what it means to be a man. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's a shame, absolutely a shame. We've always been known as a country with strong, confident, and successful men, and now they want to change all of that. It's just outrageous. Do you think that this shift in thinking could potentially be a threat to the United States position as the world's most powerful nation? Well, when you see countries like Russia and China, they have a completely different view on masculinity and strength. They aren't worried about being politically correct or trying to appease the woke crowd. They understand the importance of strength and power, and they're on their way to becoming major threats to the United States. What? 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 Literally, the only reason that I would know that was fake, if I didn't know before I watched it, the only giveaway in that entire video that that's artificial intelligence and not reality would be the way that Trump pronounced China. Because he pronounced it just China. Russia and China. And I know that Trump says China. Other than that, there's no indication that that's fake. That's a conversation that's very realistic that would have that could have easily happened between Rogan and Donald Trump. It's the inflection and the, their voices. Rogan sounds dead on. When I listened to that, and I listened to it very critically, I would not have known that that was not Rogan. Donald Trump, there was just, there was just something, something that wasn't 100% authentic, but it was like 99.5% authentic. Think about how scary this is. This is going to be weaponized against people. There are going to be videos that are used as false allegations against people. It's gonna sound like your voice. It's gonna look like your face. It's gonna look like you're committing a crime or maybe a moral crime. And think about who this is going to be leveraged against. It's gonna be leveraged against politicians by political opponents. It's gonna be leveraged against um, culture influencers, especially when cultural influencers are trying to influence the culture towards the right. So religious people, Christian people, anybody who, anybody who speaks out against transgenderism, anybody who stands up for traditional marriage, anybody who advocates for an end to abortion, anybody, anybody that's a good person that's fighting in this battle of good versus evil that we're engaging in in our nation, anybody who's on the side of good, like, what are you going to do if you get this kind of false allegation? If someone sees this and then they, and it seems really real and it seems really egregious if it's a false allegation, and then you come out and say, oh, it's fake. Do you think people are going to believe you? How many people are going to see the video without even hearing your defense anyway? And how many of us, think about who this is going to hurt the most. It's going to hurt the everyday American person the most because it's you and I that don't have unlimited resources to hire forensic analysts to pick apart the technology and then utilize the power, our powerful connections in the media and politics to publicize the fact that what the forensic analysts found was XYZ, which proves it's a fake. This is awful. This is dangerous stuff. We, we really do need to have a conversation in this country about how to properly harness AI so that it can work for us and it can do good things for us as technology does, but also how to put boundaries on it. And I don't mean boundaries, just cultural boundaries. I mean boundaries in the law so that it doesn't become something whose harm 
is greater than its benefit to society. Because that terrifies me. That video absolutely terrifies me. And it should terrify every single person watching. Okay, now I wanna talk about Dave Ramsey, who I love, by the way. Love Dave Ramsey. I have all the respect in the world for Dave Ramsey. He's built an incredible business and he's built his business in the proper way. He's built his business by identifying a need in the market and filling that need. So he is the epitome of a, of a thriving free market economy where he brings something to the marketplace that people desperately want and therefore the transaction that happens between them is mutually beneficial. It's great. He's been able to provide for his family and he has helped so many people achieve financial freedom. He's helped so many people pull themselves out of debt. He's helped so many people embrace responsibility and living within their means. And I don't even know the number of Americans whose lives have been enriched because of Dave Ramsey's very blunt, very, very blunt, uh, sometimes loud advice, but that's part of the likability of a personality like that. He's a, he's a strong leader and he just says, he lays out his cards on the table and says it like it is. However, he is giving some very, very, very bad advice to you about digital currency. And um, I don't want you to follow this advice. Dave Ramsey's great, but he's very, very, very wrong on the advice that he's giving you about digital currency. This is what uh, he said. Take a listen. It's a, it's a whole new place you could get canceled if you didn't meet the oh there'd be a if revolt. you didn't meet the woke criteria or whatever right and so you that that would be a problem if your dollars freaking got canceled that's a whole different thing so uh, if, if that got to that point then I think long before then we would have fired a bunch of people and um, Americans just don't tolerate being controlled for very long with rare exceptions we're stubborn like that with rare exceptions sometimes we're sheeple. And we all go into our houses for 90 days and wait on a virus to pass. But other than that, we very seldom are controlled. Most of the time, we don't do what we're told. And so, um, which is good. Even if you disagree with me, you shouldn't have to do what you're told. That's called like freedom and stuff. So anyway, that's the downside of this thing that everybody's moaning about. But the implications are, you know, I'm not losing sleep over this. I'm not going to bed worried at night about what if centralized banking and digital dollars and cashless society, this usually turns into fear mongering from the media and paranoia. Here's the, weird, the here's the weird thing. The faster you can transfer funds, the more freedom you have. The more robust an economy is, the more freedom you have. The easier you can do a transaction, the more transactions occur, the more prosperity you can endure uh, and the more freedom you have. So the, the first part of this discussion, this ease of transfer and the shortening of the, the hold periods and all that because they're updating the antiquated system is going to add way more freedoms than the little corner of the digital dollars might try to take away. So the net net on it, I think, is going to be extremely positive, although I'm not a big fan of the Fed and I'm not a defender of the Fed. I'm certainly for you bozos on Twitter, not a shill of the Fed, just to let you know. Nope. No, 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 no. Love Dave Ramsey, but this is, this is very bad advice that he's giving. He says, we, we are an independent people. That's actually not true. I know this sounds very cynical, but we are not an independent people. We are not independent minded people anymore. Our society as a whole right now, we used to be independent. They're, one of the characteristics of the American people was that, that we embraced rugged individualism. That was, that was, 
uh, something we should we sh- we were proud of, something I wish that still identified us, but we actually aren't an independent people anymore. Instead of rugged individualism, the youngest generations now, Gen Z and then millennials, and I know millennials are reaching middle age, but they're still considered to be on the younger end of voters um, and in the workforce as well. Gen Z and millennials are characterized often by collectivist, dependent, groupthink attitudes. We are, we, are, we are not a people who rejects being told what to do. And of course, COVID-19 is the, the best example of this. When everyone just immediately locked down, they didn't go anywhere. They were wiping down their groceries with Lysol wipes. They were wearing cloth masks with tons of holes in them. They were taking uh, umpteen boosters of a vaccine that, you know, you know, Obviously, this is they, they didn't push back against these government lockdowns, even as their businesses were destroyed, their livelihoods were completely decimated. We are, we are not an independent-minded people. All of that information that contradicted what the government was doing to us in the name of COVID was readily available. There were studies on masks. There were studies on the transmission of the virus. There were studies on who was vulnerable to it. There were studies on vaccines. There were studies on social distancing. There were studies on the harm, the societal harm of lockdowns. That was all readily available to anybody at anyone's fingertips on the internet where everyone was while they were locked down and still people were not courageous enough to be independent-minded. I wish we were an independent people and we need to restore that character quality in our people, but we are not an independent people any longer. We are characterized by groupthink. I mean, look at look at the transgender ideology, for example. How many people use neo-pronouns? How many people are willing to indulge someone else using neo-pronouns? How many people are in our country are willing to buy into critical race theory. And I, I know critical race theory has been um, has been largely, we've pushed back against it. There's been a lot of people that have pushed back against it, but there's been an equal number of people who haven't. The American people, I love, I, I, I'm proud to be an American. I love the American people, but we are in a phase right now where we need to reclaim this independent attitude. It is not a small risk. The central bank digital currency, this idea of basically a Bitcoin run by the federal government, a Fed coin, if you will, it does not pose a small risk to us. It poses almost an existential risk to our nation. And I know that word existential sounds very hyperbolic, but if you understand the reality of who's behind a Fed coin and what it is that our government officials right now, right now in the Joe Biden administration want to force us to do, how they want to reorganize our society and socially engineer us. And then you understand the people who are influencing the Biden administration, the people in the World Economic Forum, for example, what their goals for the American people are and what they're using, the tools, the ESG tools, and yes, the digital currency tools, the social credit score systems that they're using to try to social engineer the United States, socially engineer the United States, then you understand that a central bank digital currency is not a small risk that it's a way for the federal government to say, you know what, Joe, I don't want you to buy a gun, so I'm gonna limit what you're allowed to use the Fed coin on. I'm not gonna let you buy a gun. And Susie, um, I think that you should donate more of your money to transgender activism. I see that you have, um, that you have instead donated to a conservative organization that stands for science, that stands for traditional traditional scientific, biological, religious understandings, reality-based definitions of man and woman. So I'm going to put a hold on that um, and penalize you for not taking, taking more social responsibility. This is just a tiny example. Think about what Justin Trudeau did in Canada to anybody that donated, not even participated in, but donated to those Freedom Trucker Convoy people. He froze their bank accounts. You think 
that, and this is a Western country, this is Canada, this isn't even China that we're talking about. You think that won't happen here if the government is in control of the Fed coin? Look at the January 6th defendants. The January 6th defendants have actually had banks call them and their family members and debank them. That means the bank has told them that if you don't remove all of your money, all of your assets from our banking institution in 30 days, you're gonna forfeit it, we're gonna take it. They have debanked them, kicked them out of the bank. Do you think that the federal government, the Fed, won't do that if they have control, online control, over your money in the form of a Fed coin? The Chinese social credit score system that we always talk about where the Chinese people are rated by the government um, based on their quote unquote communist behavior. And they, of course, in China view that a word communist as, as, as good. But if you don't do what the Chinese government wants you to do, the Chinese government docks your social credit score. If you don't, um, if you don't, if you speak out against the Chinese government on social media, for example, you have your, you have your credit score docked. If your credit score is docked, you may not be able to buy an airline ticket. You may not be able to get a good paying job. You may not be able to buy a house. You may not be able to send your child to a private school. You are, you are socially ostracized. You are, are, are marginalized by this government through this social credit score system. That's what, a, that's what central bank digital currency is. That's exactly what it is. It's the mechanism that is coming to the United States that's going to be the equivalent of a social credit score system. And the people running that system are not people that like us. They're not people that like Christian values. They're not people that like conservative politics. They're not people who uh, base their reality in both science and natural law. These are, these are radical leftists, and that's the nice version of the term. They're neo-Marxists. This is an extremely dangerous thing. And by the way, when I'm saying this, this is not speculation, this is not my opinion. You can watch this playing out all around the world. Our currency and the fact that we have a fiat currency backed by the full faith of the federal government, even though we no longer have a gold standard, the fact that we have the currency that we have gives us our standing in the world. We don't want to fight World War III. We don't want a nuclear war with any of the other nuclear armed countries in, in around the globe. And the way that the United States exerts our superpower status is not because we play world's policeman with our military. We do get involved in military actions and we do it more than we should, but that's not the primary way that we exert leverage over both our allies and our adversaries. The primary mechanism that we use to exert power over other people in the world is financially. It's using our economic power as our strongest weapon. It's actually something that President Trump did excellently. This was one of his greatest strengths was recognizing and using the power of the American economy. Most other politicians are afraid to do that. They're afraid to threaten trading partners because they're afraid of rocking the economic boat. And President Trump recognized, listen, we can use our economy to coerce other nations to doing what's in America's best interest. We're, we're not only legally have a right to do that, we morally and ethically and politically have every right in the book to do that. And so President Trump did it, but that, that economic power that we enjoy right now is on the chopping block. There, there is a cohort of powerful nations around the world, including Russia, including China, including Saudi Arabia, including Iran, who want to unseat America as the world's superpower. And instead of trying to launch a nuclear weapon against us, and instead of fighting a conventional war against us, they're trying to unseat us by decimating the US economic power. And they're doing this by targeting the dollar. They're doing this by targeting the dollar as the world reserve currency. 
And I know that this really gets into the weeds and it, it's, it's really sometimes boring, sometimes financial nitty gritty stuff, but there is a concerted effort that's, that's getting really close to being successful that would relegate the United States to just being nothing. We would no longer be the voice that speaks and the world listens. These group of countries are called the BRICS countries. BRICS is just an acronym for Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. These BRICS countries uh, comprise 31.5% of the world's GDP. So this is no small, obscure group of countries. And they are in the process of building their own reserve currency right now. And they're basing it not just on the full faith and credit of the United States government, like the US dollar is, they're basing it on gold, a gold standard, if you will, gold and uranium and copper and graphite. And other countries around the world, like Egypt and Mexico even, are sending applications in by the day, trying to be a part of this BRICS or this uh, this BRICS alliance. They there's there's a separation happening. We talk often about a national divorce. This is an international divorce that is taking place. And on one side is the United States and our closest allies, and on the other side are these BRICS countries, China and Russia and Iran and Brazil and Egypt and Saudi Arabia and Mexico and these other nations that want to join, that want to move away from the US dollar onto a new world reserve currency. Why? Well, why do you think? Because then they don't have to listen to the United States anymore. So the leaders of this movement, the China, China is really the leader of this movement. Russia also has their own interest in it, but primarily China is convincing these other countries, hey, if you come on our side, we're not gonna, we're not gonna boss you around like the United States. You don't have to be the, you don't you don't have to be second in line to the United States. You don't have to do everything. They're not your they're not your boss. You don't have to be their their servant anymore. And these other countries are saying, yeah, you know what? That sounds pretty good to me. I'll be on their side. And what's going to happen when enough of these countries switch currencies? Is China's then going to exert control over them? to the detriment of these countries. Obviously, we in the United States don't exert control over these countries. We are strategic allies and we do require certain things from countries that are allied with us, um, especially countries who rely on our economy, but we do it in good faith. We don't do it uh, in the imperialist way. We don't do it to try to plunder their nations. China is doing it because they're ideologically manipulating these countries. They're promising them that they're going to get whatever, X, Y, Z now, if they come to China's side, if they leave the US dollar. But ultimately, China's just going to force them into ideological conformity with the Chinese Communist Party. A central bank digital currency puts us more quickly on that path. It, 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 none of this, by the way, none of this financial stuff that's been happening, first with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank collapsing and the FDIC bailing them out, but Janet Yellen saying, well, we're not gonna bail all regional banks out, just some, you know, probably based on wokeness. None of this is a, is a coincidence. The inflation that we are suffering right now, which is obviously problematic for us and our families, you know, paying for gas, paying for groceries, um, all the expenses, paying for energy bills, all of these expenses, that's problematic, but it's, it's bigger than us as individuals. Because when the dollar is devalued, then these other countries actually feel the incentive to move towards China and Russia and the BRICS alliance versus sticking with the United States. And the inflation stuff, 
that we are experiencing is not an accident. The financial difficulties that we are on the cusp of, this looming recession that we are going to face, this, this, this feeling that everyone has in the pit of their stomachs that we're on, this, on the verge of a real financial crisis, this is not an accident. This is not something that just happened. This is not something that's a natural part of financial cycles. This is a deliberate effort by people in the Biden administration who want the US dollar to be destroyed. They want to move us away, want to move the globe away from using the US dollar as the world reserve currency because they want to exert control over us through the digital dollar. And we can talk about individuals in the Biden administration like Lael Brainerd and um, Stephanie Kelton, people who believe in modern monetary theory. Modern monetary theory says, you know what, it doesn't matter if the, if the dollar gets devalued. The government, especially when it's a currency issuer, should just print and spend as much money as they need. That way you don't have to bother the Congress to appropriate money so the Congress doesn't have to be held accountable by their constituents. And, you know, Taxes, we taxes we'll just use to keep people on, to keep people on the US dollar. That's the only way that the dollar doesn't completely explode. All of these things lead us directly to the people looking to the government to bail us out of a financial crisis. When the dollar does become so devalued, inflation becomes so high that people are like, well, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna buy stuff? then in swoops the federal government and says, actually, you know, we're going to introduce a Fed coin. We're going to introduce this central bank digital currency. It's going to be great. It's going to stabilize the whole system. But what's going to happen is other countries aren't going to want to be part of that, as they shouldn't be. They're going to go to these BRICS nations. The U.S. government is going to exert control over citizens using a central bank digital currency as a mode of control. We've seen examples of this already. Remember when PayPal said that anybody who they deemed hateful, they were just gonna take several thousand dollars out of their account as punishment, and you just had to agree to that as terms of service if you were gonna use PayPal? That's not an accident. That's not, that's not what PayPal, PayPal excused it, remember, and said, oh, this wasn't something that we intended to publish. No, but you intended to write it. You just didn't intend to launch it the way that it was launched. The people controlling the US government, the Democrats in office, the people controlling the U.S. financial system, these big investment firms like BlackRock and Bank of America and all the rest of them, all the credit card companies, are compromised by radical leftist ideology. Many of them are even compromised by Marxist ideology. They want to destroy the American free market system. They want, they're doing this through ESG. That's what ESG is. It's, it's just a social credit score system for companies and corporations. But a central bank digital currency is the individual social credit score system that we talk about. It's just two ways of coming of, of going at it. Two ways, one coming at the companies, one coming at individuals. So I like Dave Ramsey. I think Dave Ramsey is, is a force to be reckoned with. I have a lot of respect for him and the business that he built. I have a lot of respect for the advice that he's given people. He's helped a lot of families achieve financial freedom, learn to live within their means, learn to pay off their debt, and not have that burden hanging over their lives, be able to actually uh, invest in time in their families instead of trying to work like crazy to pay off debt that's just accumulating. He gives good advice, except for this. He's completely, totally, utterly, naively, and dangerously wrong about a central bank digital currency. If we allow this to happen, it will be the beginning of the end of the American free market economy. The American free market economy that has not only served us and our families, but has served 
people all over the world, pulling people out of poverty, spreading freedom just through commerce, bringing us, allowing us to build the civilization and the standard of living that we enjoy today, that's all on the line if America loses our free market economy, our economic strength, the leverage that economic strength gives us, and therefore our position as the world superpower. Again, we have a great episode coming tomorrow with Julie Kelly. You don't want to miss it. So if you haven't already subscribed to the show, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, go to YouTube or Rumble, click that subscribe button so you can be the first to watch that episode when it drops tomorrow morning. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.